Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not avoid them both, for one led into the city, and the other led to a college. Oath. Crap. This is the After Disaster Broadcast, created by J.J. Ranvier. Okay, fellow survivors, Joe Prendergast here with another location update. This time, a fork in the highway. And you know, everyone struggles with whether or not to go back to college, but the struggle in this case, uh, well, what's a good SAT word? Exacerbated? Yeah, exacerbated by our past experiences. So I'm not really eager to, like, go back to a college campus anytime soon. The problem is the other choice is the city. This place was dangerous before the apocalypse. Like, people always said Chicago was the murder capital of America when it wasn't even in the top 20, because usually it was number 21. But this place, this place had a serious murder problem. I guess there's not really an unserious murder problem. This place had a murder problem, and I don't want to know who the Moors to a men collected, uh, converted from here. So, uh, it looks like the college is our best bet for somewhere to stay tonight. Everyone else isn't as bothered as I am. And so I brought up the creepy professor dude, and Scott was just like, I'm not afraid of no mofo in a best. Which, which is fair. But Ji-hun had a uh, one-up that one with a... It's quite simple to strangle someone with a tie. What are they teaching you in the Air Force? Elliot was just, like, shrugging and kept on knitting. Location update? I actually know this college! This college is a major nerdland, like... They had one of the biggest anime clubs in the country, Nerdland. So there's probably no survivors. I've actually been here before, and it totally wasn't for an anime convention. But, uh, uh, it, it, that was several years ago. But anyway, I was sort of able to show everyone around. Kind of to, like, where things either used to be or where some things still are. And so I was hoping we could find a dorm to stay in, but everyone just wanted to know where the dining hall was. <sighs> Scout is always ready to turn any door that stands between her and the possibility of beef jerky into splinters. Elliot, unsurprisingly, wanted to find the school libraries. But I'm not sure if any of us are going to enjoy the technobabble books that are in their engineering libraries. Though, I guess Elliot was in a college town, so maybe they... Oh, fuck, people. Uh, I'm still waiting on everyone to get back from the dining hall, but... Crap, they're walking away from me. They don't look like a zombie from here. Uh, there's just one of the... Fark it. Hey! You! 
What the fuck? They won't turn around. Hey! Hey, dude! Oh, fuck. Maybe they don't like being called dude. Hey, human over there! I'm talking to you at this elevated volume! Seriously, why are they acting like they can't hear me? I, unless... Uh, Joe here with an update. I made a mistake. Again. I, uh, he couldn't hear me. At all. When I got closer, I saw he had hearing aids, which... I'll take a wild guess have not been working since the end of easy battery replacement. I apologize to the guy, even though he couldn't hear me being rude doesn't mean I wasn't being rude. I did my best to sign to him a, a some sort of apology, but I mixed up please and sorry like I always do. He was very nice, though, and, and seemed to accept it. And then so I was going to ask him about... If there's other people around, or if there's any sort of food we can eat, because that's always on my mind. And then, Jihan suddenly showed up behind me and stepped in. Stepped in to start signing. Like, very, very fluent signing. She hadn't spoken yet, unsurprisingly, so I think the guy also assumed that she was deaf. And I just... I, I just watched dumbfounded. Mm, mm, ooh, should not use that. Uh, I was speechless. Nope, that's not good either. I just stood and watched and wondered what was going on. They were just rapid-fire signing to each other to the point that my eyes could barely keep up. She, in, in a matter of a few smooth hand gestures, got us invited to the dorm they were staying in. And we followed the guy, and she... In, and, like, <laughs> she got him to tell her his name, so he finger-signed to us that it was Daniel, and and I just, I watched as Jean did all the communicating. This is not how this goes. At all. I'm, I'm the communicator. I'm, I'm the communications officer, if you will. I'm, I'm C.O. Joe, gosh darn it. Okay, so I've heard uh, Jihoon laugh only twice in my life. Once when Scout got Wes Craven and Wes Anderson mixed up. And, uh, just now. When she overheard me call myself C.O. Joe. It means commanding officer. I am, uh, definitely not the commanding officer. Oops. So, we followed Daniel back to the dorm, and there were quite a number of college students still here, and, oh god, thankfully, thank Fark, looked as healthy as you can possibly look in the apocalypse. They're clearly eating something. Most of the students staying with him are also deaf, plus or minus a few kids who majored in interpreting. Scout gets along with them great, because she's really good at looking them in the eye. Must be a social worker thing. And Elliot's getting along fine, because they're just not in the talking part of their day. And so, I did a lot of the communicating, once Jihan found other people to talk to. Daniel explained to us, after I asked him why they all stayed here, that a lot of them had left. The ones who stayed 
wanted to stay in a community that knew sign. As in a bunch of them would go back to families that didn't. Wow. Okay. Well, either way, it's really nice to stay in a bed tonight. <laughs> Even if it's an extra long twin mattress. So, I'm patrolling. I'm bored. So you know what that means. Personal update time! I am interested in... Interested by... Shoot. I am more than interested by Daniel. <laughs> it's... The thing is... He's exactly my type. When it comes to men. When it comes to women, it's anyone with a short haircut or looks like they could punch me in the face and I'd say thank you. He, though, is is so, he's so sweet, and he has a sweet face to go with it, and he's, he's nerdy, but silly. We've, we've been talking, well, I guess signing, a lot about Star Trek, and it's, it's so funny, because I haven't been around any mildly attractive men in a while, and I'm just remembering, I do get crushes on the cute ones. Oh, and, and, of course, he wears glasses. Why do I have such a thing for the visually impaired boys? Well, it's not all sweetness in Star Trek. There's men like Martin, who remind me why I tend not to trust my crushes on men. Martin, on the surface, is also my type. Nerdy also wears glasses, because apparently I only like guys who could have dressed up as Harry Potter for Halloween at least once. And he's an interpreting major, so he can talk the talk about deaf culture. But there's something off that, something off that I normally don't find until about two months into dating them. Like, he almost talks the talk too well. Like, that guy who says he's a feminist too many times, and you start to wonder if he's ever heard of the film concept of show, not tell. Like, he keeps, I want to say barging into conversations I'm in, and keeps asking weirdly personal questions, and, and keeps asking about the Morse Tua men, and our adventures on the road, but the weird parts of it, and it just... And, and earlier, he kind of also barged into me and Daniel's conversation, and I guess he did have some good points about Star Trek and, and Klingon versus sign language, but he, he kept cutting Daniel short in order to make things about him, and I'm just, I'm just going to avoid him. I mean, it should be easy. We're only staying one night. So this morning, I got to ask G how she knows sign. Her wife. Her wife is deaf. I mean, it does explain why she's never told me that she knows ASL, but it's still... I mean, she knows sign! This is so cool! Okay. Location update. Looks like we're not just staying one night. And Martin keeps smiling at me about it. It's not all cons, though, of course. I mean, I get to talk to Daniel a little bit more. And Elliot seems pretty happy about it as well. They've been passing notes with this cutie with an industrial piercing. But the biggest reason why is Jihan. She 
seems to be really enjoying herself. I mean, I haven't seen her half-smile this much in a long time, and she's been talking with Daniel's feisty friends, Carol and Shane. Feisty's not a great word for them. Mm, Because Shane's more like, fight me, and Carol's more like, go for the emotional jugular. Anyway, I've gotten to be a bystander to a bunch of their conversations, and I've gotten to learn all these bits and pieces about Jihun's wife. Like, her name's Holly. She's a femme. She's shy, but she makes the most hilarious, snarky asides to Jihun and big groups of people. And she's even pranked Jihun a couple of times and gotten her pretty good. One year for Valentine's Day, she got Jihun a card that wouldn't stop singing after she opened it. It went on for three hours until Jihun ripped apart and destroyed the thing. The whole time, Holly's smiling and saying, What? I don't hear anything. <laughs> it's pretty good. I mean, it's it's really nice to know these things, but I I am a little hurt that she didn't share them with us, that we're having to learn them third hand. I don't know. Though, oh god, when I think about it, maybe I haven't really earned it. Found myself to be worthy of her trust. Because, oh, for instance, I... So I learned sign for fun, because that's what I do. And so I'm really behind on deaf culture. Like, for one, I tried to tell them my name sign, which was the sign for radio made with a J. And Carol asked about the deaf person who gave it to me. And I had to admit I gave it to myself. Which is like telling everyone that your friends call you Blood Skull and then having to admit that you don't really have any friends at all. Ugh. Millie, seer dear, cognoseer. The other reason we're sticking around is, well, the usual reason we stick around with any group of people, we're gonna help them with something. Uh, this time, I don't think Jihun even asked for any sort of compensation. We're just gonna help them out of the goodness of our slowly rotted by ash hearts. I mean... I wish we could do that more often. It's just also nice when we get a a hot meal in exchange and we don't have to eat an emery, you know? This time, we're going to help them out with reuniting with some of the other deaf students that Daniel and company know. The ones that live in the city instead of the dorms. You know, the place with the murder rate. They are currently trapped on the other side of the river. And the problem with rivers, which seems to be always the problem with rivers, is getting across them. Safely. In one piece. Or most of your pieces. The best way to do this is through an abandoned subway station, which sounds punk as hell, so I'm already on it like an urban explorer on an abandoned mental hospital. But there's a problem. Because there's always a problem. The tunnel is currently being guarded by... Wish I was making this up. By some over-enthusiastic LARPers. So, some LARPers. It's... Apparently it started off as a joke. A bunch of them wanted to feel like moat guards, so they started guarding it, but a bunch of them got way too in it and stayed way after the bit died. So a couple of determined jerk nerds are guarding this place in semi-accurate armor. And they will let people through for, like, a favor or solving a riddle or some crap. But they refuse to even try and negotiate with the deaf kids. Because they don't 
want to even learn a little bit of sign. Or, or try writing things on a piece of paper. It's, it's gotten bad enough that even when they brought some of the interpreter kids along, they still refused. All while talking in old English. So G wants to use our brains and our muscle to get through and reunite all the college kids. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Well, because lying serves me no purpose in this post-capitalist society. But I'm pretty okay with spending a little bit more time with Daniel. Still hasn't told me who his favorite captain is. Though it does mean finding more ways to keep Martin at arm's length. Update? I got to talk with everyone a bit before bed. And I got to ask some fun questions, as I do. For G, I asked, what did you have to get used to when dating a deaf person? She just shrugged and signed, watching TV with subtitles on. Fair. Then I asked Carol and Shane about it, if they had to get used to anything whenever they dated a hearing person. And they both looked at each other at the same time and signed, learning to close the windows before having sex. personal update. Last night, I got to learn a couple of things about Elliot. After tunnel planning and uh, managing to avoid Martin's third offer for a back rub, uh, Elliot came up to me and asked me if I could teach them some basic sign. They had felt bad for not knowing any, and they'd been feeling pretty drained from being around people, so they were coming off as really antisocial and ugh, introvert problems. But I was more than happy to help. So I started off with some basics like, you know, you, me, yes, no, fart, banana, you know, the usual stuff. And it got a little bit awkward when I realized I didn't know the word for non-binary. So we sort of made one up with an NB on the chin. Thankfully, I did know some other important ones like gay, lesbian, bi. I love the sign for bi for obvious reasons. But I also like that it's only one hand motion away from being bitch. Because bisexuals are bitchin'. (laughs) They had a couple of specifics that they wanted to know, but what they really, really wanted to know was the phrase, You are a cutie. I got nosy, as I do, and wanted to know who in particular they wanted to know the phrase for, but they just shrugged and said that it's important to let people know that they're cuties. Oh, that's fair. They really wanted to know the word for cat, didn't care about the word for dog, uh, asked about the word for cancer, and then winced when I told them I was a Gemini, and I don't know what that's about. Oh, but they asked for the word for librarian, which was like, oh my god, Uh, of course, yes, this explains so much, though it ended up not being that simple. They had been at university for their master's in library science. So not quite a library assistant, but not quite yet a librarian. They said the university's name with the same amount of malice I reserve for people who think the suburbs count as Chicago. A little prodding and poking, and I found out they had lived in that town all their life and had been forced to go to that school for financial reasons. So there it is. That explains so much. And, and now we know Jihan's going back to her wife. I'm going back to my hometown. And Elliot is going anywhere but Syracuse. Though, 
I still, and not for lack of asking, wonder why Scout is traveling with us. Instead of going south. I mean, it's gotta be more than her love of travel and desire to do long walks on a highway. Every time I ask her, she just says, I have my reasons, chicken. Hmm. Location update? So we're at the mouth of the abandoned subway, and let me tell you, it looks looks like the entrance to the final boss battle in a horror video game that I would never get to that point in. Uh, and, and I was uh, planning to wait until we came out on the other side, but, but, uh, I checked with my companions and they all signed that it was okay, so I'm just doing a little bit of broadcasting to help calm my nerves. Scout is in the front, leading. Her axes are at the ready. Mostly we want to try and negotiate our passage without violence, but we also want to be safe in case any violence ensues. Daniel says there's at least five to six dudes in full armor that have been seen, but they know that there's a couple more hiding around in case you try and sneak past them. What a creepy knockoff of Assassin's Creed. Oof. I'm not far behind Scout, but me and the college kids and Elliot are going to hang back until Scout gives us the go-ahead to go through. Partly because the last time they came through, uh, Shane got flicked off and tried to fight the guys in armor. Without armor. Though it must have looked as silly as it sounds because Daniel was smiling while telling the story. He has a really cute smile. Anyway, <laughs> uh, G is bringing up the rear with the shotgun in case they try and attack us from the back. Like, I really, really, really hope that none of these precautions are needed, but as I've said, paranoia is justified in the apocalypse. We made it! We got them through! Okay, mostly Scout got them through, but I witnessed it and I am going to celebrate! You will never guess how we did it. Well, okay, it is Scout, so you might be a little bit right. She fought one of the dudes in a melee weapon battle for the right to pass through. A fake melee battle, but still, she won by fake chopping off every one of the guy's limbs, even though I think she should have done it for real. Nope, nope, working on my anger. We're not going to go there. And I am celebrating the victory, but selfishly, I'm a little bit sad. When we got through, Daniel was very eagerly looking for someone, and I've just kind of got to assume that he's reunited with a partner of some sort. But, you know, it's whatever. He was fun to flirt with in the meantime, and I can't wait to get another crush on a man in eight to ten months, and another crush on a woman in eight to ten seconds. Personal update. Turns out, Daniel was looking for a friend of his that he wanted to introduce to me because he was the head of the linguistics club. What a sweetheart. I... So I just... I said, fark it, and I got got it together, and I went to him, and I told him that I had a crush on him, and he blushed. Not much happened because of it. I mostly ended up in his room, signing a bit and flirting, and I did get to kiss him goodbye, which was nice, because I haven't gotten to kiss anyone in... Wow, far too long? Huh. Well, I'm just gonna head back and pack up. Catch you all on the next frequency, Joe. Oh, um, hi. 
Sorry about that, fellow survivors. That was Martin. Of course I run into him as I'm leaving Daniel's room. He tried to ask me for a kiss goodbye. Got all huffy when I said no. Wow. Just, wow. How many different ways do you have to imply no before a man finally gets it? Jeez. Anyway. I'll catch you on the next frequency. Joe out. Thank you for listening to the After Disaster broadcast. This was written and produced by J.J. Ronvier. The voice of Joe Prendergast is J.J. Ronvier. The outro person is me, Caitlin Robb. Our technical engineer is Colin Vodier. Enjoyed the podcast? So did we. Subscribe to keep listening to us and leave us a nice review on iTunes. It really helps. In return, email us at theafterdisasterbroadcast at gmail.com that you did, and we will send you one of our rad stickers as a thank you. Not a bribe, just encouragement. To support Joe and her journey to Chicago, please check us out at patreon.com slash theafterdisasterbroadcast, where you can get bonus content for supporting us with your money. For more on the broadcast and surviving the apocalypse, check us out on Twitter at AfterDisasterBC, or on any media that makes you feel social in this wasteland. And now, we leave you with this. Survival fact. Know the difference. If you bite something and die, it's poisonous. If it bites you and you die, it's venomous. If you bite each other and die, it's an unfortunate set of circumstances. 